The Bible alone is the word of God. That is a statement that has huge ramifications, enormous ramifications. The Bible alone is the word of God. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, and we're going to look at a particular verse. I'm not going to get into the context at this point because I want to draw out a couple of the statements Jesus makes concerning the written word of God. And in John chapter 10, verse 35, Jesus said these words, If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Now that's not the end of the sentence, but it's the end of what I want to bring out of this particular passage. Two titles stem from, come out of this particular verse that for Christians, uh, they have used these titles throughout Christian history, the first being the Word of God. And this is to say the message of God. It came directly from God. It is God's Word, the verbum dei in Latin. But here, the Word of God, it came as God being the source of it, directly from God. And in quoting Scripture, Jesus said, the word of God, and scripture cannot be broken. Two titles stem from this verse, the word of God, and that means it came directly from God, and then two word phrase, the scripture. And technically speaking, these are not the same things, not exactly, because the scripture refers to, by way of linguistics, what it means by way of its wording, that which is written. So understand this, the word of God is that which comes directly from God. The scripture is that which is written, and that provides a limitation. I want to say this because not everything God ever said was written down. But when it's written down, it becomes the scripture. That which is written, that's what the scripture means. God had many different ways that he communicated, and he communicated a lot, but there's a limitation when we look at the scripture. It, it means that which is written. And so both of these titles come out of this verse, and for Christians through the centuries, that's the way we talk about uh, the Bible. It's the Word of God. It came directly from God. And there is something called Scripture, the Scripture, which refers to that which is written. When we understand that, the ramifications, as I say, are enormous. And it would mean that throughout the Old Testament period and the New Testament period up to our own day, when we have what we have, the Word of God, it demands our attention. It is the most important thing we ever hear to hear from God, God's Word. This is the only God there is, and He has spoken, and Scripture is that which is written. I'd like us to go now back to the Old Testament and pick up something that I believe is in Paul's mind when he writes 
2 Timothy 3.16 about all scripture being God-breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God. But we see that concept not only there, but throughout our Bibles. Uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, Deuteronomy says, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus quoting Deuteronomy in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. But if you go to Psalm 33, we see this concept very, very clearly, where the psalmist writes these words, Psalm 33 verse 6, By the word of the Lord, by the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, notice that phrase, by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So the word of God is the creative power of God. We have the phrase, the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh. It's referred to in verse 4 as the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. And verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. God's creative power is in his word. And of course, it's a reference to Genesis chapter 1 where God spoke and things came into being, all creation in fact, starting with Light, let there be light, and there was light. God's creative power is seen in his word. But notice the next phrase, the word of the Lord, then the breath of his mouth. And this is using the understanding here that these are to be synonymously understood. The word of the Lord and the breath of his mouth These things go together. The word of the Lord is breathed out of his mouth. Now, we're not talking here about God having a body. God is spirit, John chapter 4 reveals. He doesn't have a body. He doesn't have a physical mouth. But just in the way that we have mouths, we call this anthropomorphic language. And it refers to the fact that God is speaking to us in human terms. And if you think about it, that's the only way he could communicate with us. If we were to communicate with ants, A-N-T-S, we would speak in ant form so that we might be understood. Well, God is infinite and he has to speak to us as finite creatures because we are not infinite. And so he stoops, he comes down to our level, and just as we understand what a mouth is, God is said to have a mouth in the sense of his ability to speak. He has that. He has the ability to communicate. I don't believe God has a physical mouth, but just as we speak using our mouths, God is able to speak, and in anthropomorphic language, anthropos meaning man, Morph meaning form. God speaks to us in man form, human form. And so just as we have mouths and can can communicate, God has the ability to communicate and that is the expression that we see here. But the point I want us to never miss here, not miss, is that the word of the Lord is breathed out by God. The breath of his mouth. And that's what we 
pick up as we read 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture, all the written word, all the grapha, all the written word is theonoustos, breathed out by God or God breathed. When we understand that, the Bible is set apart from any other book and there's nothing else in our creation that rises to the level of God speak. The Bible alone is the Word of God, sola scriptura. When we think of church councils, when we think of the, the highest authority in the church, and when we think through church history of popes and cardinals and bishops and great theologians and pastors and preachers, not one of them individually or all of them collectively has the authority to bind the human conscience because none of it rises to the level of Scripture. No pope, no preacher, no one can say, I said this and it's on the same level as Scripture. No, only the Bible is God-breathed and only the Bible carries with it the authority of God. And that's what we have in the Scripture. And if we understand that, why would we not be consumed and obsessed with Scripture? There's something in my heart that resonates with the idea, God has spoken? Wow! Wow! I want to know what he said. I want to know everything he said. I want to devour this. That's what the psalmist was all about. I delight in the word. Psalm 1 begins that way. Blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. He doesn't sit here, stand there, walk there. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He's consumed by it. He knows what it is. It's God talk. And the word of God contains all the creative power of God. Notice again verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. That's the means by which God created the heavens, the word of the Lord, which is the breath of his mouth. It comes out of him. So our attitude to Scripture is our attitude to God. I don't love God more than I love his word. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. You'll love him. You'll come under his authority. And so when God regulates our lives, he does it by the means of the scepter of his word. Where the word of a king is, there is power, the Bible says. And the power of God is found in his word. And I want to say this, the power is always on. <laughs> you ever walked into a room and you flick a light switch and nothing happens? Why? Because there's no connection. Uh, the power is not on. The word of God is not like that. It's not a dead book. It's a living book. And it contains the very creative power of God. Grasp that 
And as we absorb God's word, as we meditate on God's word, we are changed by it because contained in that word is the power of God. And that's why scriptures like Hebrews chapter 4 says what it says. The word of God is living and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged swords, sharper than anything formed by man. When we have a Bible, we, we've got access to the most authoritative words in the entire universe. We need to search nowhere else. The Bible alone is the Word of God. It's not the Bible plus this thing over here or uh, the Bible plus this prophet now in our day or uh, something that happens between our ears. Nothing, no thought I have, you have, anyone on earth has at this moment or in the future rises to the level of Scripture. The canon of Scripture, I think we agree as Christians, is closed. God is not writing through any human author, a 67th book of the Bible in our time. No, the Bible, the canon of Scripture is clothed. God has spoken in His Word and He is through with communicating more Scripture to us, things that need to be written down. You see, that's the problem with the idea that God is speaking outside of His Word. God does not speak in less than full authority when he speaks. And if God is speaking, and if I could get up and say, the word of the Lord came to me, and it's just as authoritative as if Jeremiah was saying it, or the Apostle Paul was writing it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know what we'd have to do logically is write down every word and put it at the back of our Bible and send it all around the world and say, this is speaking. Uh, the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. No, 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 no. I can never do that. God does not speak with 30% authority. He speaks with all His authority in everything He says. And this is where we know God has spoken in the Word of God. And that word alone is so important. Sola Scriptura. The Bible alone is the Word of God. Nothing that happens between the ears of John Samson or you, the listener today, rises to the level of Scripture. In fact, everything you and I think has to be tested by Scripture to even be true. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. So, the Word of God, that means that which comes directly from God, the Scripture, that which is written. What we have in our Bibles, in every word, is the creative power of God. The word of the Lord breathed out by God. So I trust that that's your attitude to scripture. The Bible speaks a lot about our attitude to scripture. Uh, We could uh, turn to many different portions of scripture. I want to turn to one, 1 Thessalonians, on into the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In fact, it's chapter 2, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul writes these words to the church at Thessalonica. Verse 13. 
And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, notice that phrase, the word of God, which you heard from us. Notice, rather than thanking them, Paul thanks God for what's happening and, and what has happened in the hearts of the Thessalonians. Why? Because the activity of man didn't start with man. It started by the creative power of God. God is to be thanked when people receive the word of God because that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. Man's heart is closed to God until God opens the heart. So, logically, it's absolutely right that rather than say, we thank you that you received the word of God, thank you for doing that, thank you. No, we thank God. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, you see that? God is the one who gives faith. God is the one who causes us to want to know him. And we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, us being that which comes to you with apostolic authority, Paul being an apostle of Christ, you accepted it, it being the word of God, not as the word of men. Oh, that's just Paul. No, no, I, I, I'm seeing beyond Paul to the God who sent Paul. And this is the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men. It's not on the same level as man's words, but as what it really is, the word of God. Notice that phrase occurs twice in this verse, the word of God, the word of God. We thank God. We also thank God constantly for this. And then he speaks or writes of their reaction to the message that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. Believers. The word of God is effective in those who believe. Now, here's the amazing thing. God is the one who creates faith on the inside of us. God's word creates faith. So faith, as we read in Romans 10, 17, is not the product of our closed, stony hearts and somehow we muster faith and we're trying, we're trying, and then suddenly we break through into faith. No, what God does is he, according to 2 Corinthians 4, creates faith on the inside of us, the elect of God, when we hear the word of God. Faith comes by the means of hearing the word of Christ, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. That's a key scripture. Faith comes by hearing the word or the message of Christ. So there we are going around in our rebellion, doing our thing, walking according to the course of this world as Ephesians chapter two, 
relates to this. And suddenly, as we hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit superintends the word that we hear and creates faith on the inside of his elect people so that before they didn't believe, but now they do. Why? God opens up the heart, shows the beauty and the worth and the treasure of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and we now want him, and we didn't want him eight seconds before. Now, for some, they are able to look back on their lives and say, I I know the day that happened. I know what day it was on the calendar, March the 8th, 19-something. They can tell you the date. For others, it's a little bit fuzzy as to the date, uh, some people can only say somewhere between the ages of six and eight, somewhere in there, uh, I, I wanted Christ and I believe the gospel. Do you know it doesn't matter if you don't know the day the, the, or the hour? <laughs> God does. There was a time when your heart was of stone. Now it's alive, beating to know Christ. The fact is, the Bible doesn't place any emphasis on know the day it happened No, it just says examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Do I find in my heart a heart that beats to know Christ? And if you do, you had a spiritual birth. I don't recommend the movie, but uh, Crocodile Dundee was a movie whereby the main character uh, raised in Australia wanted to know from the tribal chief when his birthday was. So he went to the chief and asked, When was I born? And here's the answer that came back, in the summertime. Well, that's a little bit helpful, but that's as as deep as it went. He never got more information. He was born in the summertime. He wasn't even told what month, what day, or even what year. He had no idea how, how old he was. He just knew he was born in the summertime. But as sad as that story is, because he can't celebrate his birthday every year, No one could doubt, not even him, that he had a birthday because of the simple fact that he's alive. People that are alive have a birthday, whether they know it or not. God knows. And so it is. In the Christian's life, we know that we've passed from death to life because there's effects. We love the brethren We have a desire for Christ. We want to know his will. We seek to do his will. And the fact that that is spiritual activity that certainly shows there is spiritual life on the inside of us. We want the true God. We want his word. We believe the gospel. It's evidence of the fact that God has created faith on the inside of us. The faith we have is God's gift. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He authored it. If there's a book, there's an author. If there's faith, there's an author. And it's God himself. And that's why Paul writes and says, I thank God for the activity I'm seeing and I know of in your life. Do you give credit to God for your faith? Some people uh, under really erroneous teaching say, well, Faith is what I brought to the table. God did everything else. No, 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 no. God even gave you the faith to believe in him. And he did it through the means of God's word. You might be saying, I'd love to have faith, but I'm not sure I'm I'm there yet. Well, let me 
just give you some counsel, some advice. Sit under the word of God. Sit under the preaching of God's word. Because the way faith comes is by the means of the hearing of his word. It doesn't come any other way. It doesn't come any other way. And because of that conviction, because that's a conviction to me, rather than designing a worship service according to what makes sinners feel something, you know, setting the right mood, darkening the lights, making it some sort of experience. You know, the most important thing is that the word of God, undiluted, is proclaimed. Because I'm with this conviction. That's how people are changed. That's how people are saved. That's how people move from darkness to light by the means of God's word. That's it. Faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. And understanding that, I don't need to dilute the word or shave off the rough edges because some people won't like it. I know people won't like it. Everyone won't like it except God's elect who actually now, because of the activity of God, they were elect and God in time will cause them to hear the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will create faith on the inside of them, faith in the true God, faith, faith in the word of, through the means of the word of God. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. That's my confidence that as I'm preaching, God, God will work through the means of the word to create faith in the hearts of people. And it's totally supernatural. And it, because it is supernatural, totally of God, it's not my cleverness, not my rhetoric, it's not the timing and, you know, getting the story so right that through the use of manipulative techniques, I can somehow change hearts. I know I can't. I can't change stony hearts into hearts that beat to know Christ. But God says, I can. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, preach the word. Do it in season and out of season. Do it when people like it and people don't like it. You be faithful, stay at your post, preach the word as a herald. Because that's the means by which faith arises on the inside of people's hearts. Throughout church history, most, I'm talking not only of the New Testament era, but even in Old Testament times, the people of God, most never had a Bible. Certainly in the Old Testament period, no one had anything of the new. But even in the Old Testament period, the scriptures were there in the synagogue in scrolls and the normal Jewish believer didn't have a pocket Old Testament, didn't have a Bible he carried around. And in church history, it's the case that until the printing press, which occurred many, 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 many centuries after the first century, when the printing press was invented, it was only the elite who had a copy of God's word in their possession. Think about it. Before the printing press, the Gutenberg printing press, thank God for it, 
To get the word of God, you had to have a scribe and pay them well. And it took about a year, maybe nine months, but usually about a year for someone to write out the Bible. Most people, I think you would agree, wouldn't have enough money to be able to say, okay, I'm going to pay a scribe to sit at my desk or his desk for a year and pay him a year's salary to write out the scripture. And because of that, most people didn't have the word of God in their homes. And the only time they heard it was in the Old Testament period in the synagogue and in the New Testament period in the church services. And that's why Paul writes and says, give your attention to the public reading of Scripture. For most people, it's the only time they ever heard it. When the Scripture was read. Oh, what a treasure we have. Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. We have so much, especially in the English language. I thrill when... I hear of Ligonier Ministries producing the Reformation Study Bible in Spanish and then in Portuguese. But we have so many good translations of the Bible, we often have to make an announcement. This is the version we'll be using in our church services. Happens to be the ESV, the English Standard Version at King's Church. But we are blessed with so many good translations of the Bible. That's not true in many languages. And in many dialects and languages, there is still the need for the Bible to be translated in their language. And we've been given much. And therefore, we have a great responsibility. So I'd say this. If you're lacking faith, the old timers would say it this way. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> if you want water, get under the spout where water is going to come out. If you want faith, get under the spout where the word of God will be preached. Find a local church that will read and preach and teach the Bible because that's how faith is going to be stirred in your heart. That's, if God's going to work in your heart, it'll be because of the word of God being heard. And that's how he creates faith. Uh, we're, we're in First Thessalonians. Go on to the right after the book of Hebrews. We find the book of James. Look at James chapter 1. And look with me at verse 18. Of his own will, that's God's will, he brought us, that's us Christians, he brought us forth by the word of truth. This is James' way of communicating the truth of Romans 10, 17 that Paul wrote. By God's will, of his own will, not your will, of his own will, he brought us forth by, this is the means, the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You've been brought forth. I can't help reading that phrase without thinking of Lazarus in the tomb in the Gospel of John where Jesus called him out of death into life and brought him forth into life. That's the kind of creative power that has happened in every 
believer. It's a miracle. If you're a Christian, you love God and the gospel, you're a miracle. A miracle of God. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone's in Christ, new creation. You're a new creation. And that's a phrase that is hardly ever seen outside of the book of Genesis. In fact, only when it's referring to what God did in creation do we find the word creation. And there's no other creative activity except in the life of God's people when he creates faith. He brought us forth. Jesus has literally stood at the tomb of your and my dead heart and said, John, come forth. Allison, come forth. Henry, come forth. Whatever your name is. If you're a child of God, he said, come forth. Out, I say. Out from the world. That's who we are. We are the church, the ecclesia. Ek means out. Kaleo means to speak or to call. And so we are the called out ones. We're in the world and God says, Henry, come out. And he brings us forth. He calls us effectively out of darkness into light by means of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit who creates faith on the inside of us. God's word creates faith. On to the right, 1 Peter chapter 1. Next book along, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 23 with me. Since you, the Christians, have been born again. Phrase Jesus used in John chapter 3, born from above. You've been born again, what's the means? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You see, again, it's the means. The means by which people are born again is not the right setting, not creating the right mood in a church service. It's the heralding of the word of God. And when people are born again, it's not something that is there for a moment and after a while goes away. No, it's imperishable seed. We all know about products we put in a refrigerator that are perishable. God's Word is not like that. God's Word is imperishable. It's eternal. It has its source in God. And because it is the living and abiding word of God, those who have been born again continue in the faith, continue to love God, continue, 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 because not because they've got great willpower, but because of the nature of the faith put on the inside of them through the means of the eternal living and abiding word of God. So even our continued faith even in that, we have to give credit to God. It's the living and abiding Word of God. That's why I'm born again. That's why I continue in the faith. God has done something eternal in the heart of all those who believe. He goes on in verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. 
the grass, grass withers and the flower fades. That which is temporary fades. But God's word is imperishable. It's living and abiding. And unlike flesh that is like grass, grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Hear God's word. It's the means of God creating faith in the heart. Faith comes by the means of the word being heard. Faith is created by God's miracle working power. I trust that's your attitude to scripture. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me simply read. Verse 2, for good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. And it's in that context that we read these words in verse 12. For the word of God, notice that phrase, the word of God at some points is living. No, the word of God is living and active. Living and active. Living and active. The Bible's not a dead book, ladies and gentlemen. It's living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any human scalpel. You don't want a blunt instrument working on you if you need surgery. Well, we need surgery of the heart to take out the heart of stone, to put in a heart of flesh. And the word of God is sharper than any human commodity, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It's talking there about everything on the inside of man. God's word pierces and discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from, you'd think it would say its sight, but notice it doesn't say that. No creature is hidden from his sight. Whose sight? His sight. The Word of God. You see, the Word of God is the Word of God. <laughs> and the Word of God comes to us out of his mouth, and it has everything to do with God. I don't love God more than I love his word. I don't obey God more than I obey his word. And no creature is hidden from his, the word of God's sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I trust that in this brief time together, your heart is warmed to the value of what we have in our Bibles. Visit, visit many books, but live in your Bible. That's the advice of C.H. Spurgeon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the scripture, that which is written. Give us this day a desire for it. As per First Peter 
relates to us. First Peter chapter 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. We thank you. Stir that in our hearts that just like newborn babies who won't take no for an answer, they're awake and they're wanting milk and they let the whole house know, that's the kind of intensity that should be the hallmark of us as believers. I've got to have it. I've got to have the Word of God. I've got to go to a church that preaches the Word of God. I've got to have a I've got to be part of a church that will teach me what God says and do it right. That's so vital for my life. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Like a newborn infant, I long for the Word of God. May that be true of me and all under the sound of my voice. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus, the living Word of God. Amen.